1: Here we go.
2: Jackson for his tight end brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Run your little options. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks tackle. Right to the pylon. And it's a touchdown.
3: Hello and welcome to. Another episode of Pod Like a Raven. This is Antonio Barbera.
2: I'm joined in the studio by Tim Horsey. Tim, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'm glad my voice is here uh, in the morning. Not going to lie, I was a little concerned after a day out tailgating and hanging out at m Bank Stadium watching the Ravens beat the Bengals. Uh, hell of a time there with, with good people. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing great. And also
3: joining us from the West Coast, Mr. Jace Evans. Jace, how are you feeling over there?
4: Doing well, Antonio. Uh, it was uh, adventure watching this game in uh, more ways than one, but uh, glad to see the Ravens got a, a, a W and uh, excited to uh, get into it with you all. I think um, probably our best performance to talk about in many ways for the Ravens this season, in a certain aspects at least. Um, so, yeah, ready to get into it.
3: Ravens winning at home 23-17 to 17 in a game that, for stretches, looked like it was going to be a blowout. Then for other stretches, looked like a nail-biter. And then by the end of the game, settled into right what we expected for the Ravens playing a home game against a f- much weaker opponent. Yeah, uh, The close win, the sneaky cover, uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> throwing the ball, running the ball. A lot of good things from him, specifically early. This is going to be a game of, of two halves, a podcast of two halves maybe. So let's get into the positives, uh, which for me are the first quarter. But what did you guys like? from the Ravens in this matchup against the Bengals.
4: Yeah, I. you mentioned Lamar Jackson. I thought he was fantastic overall in this game. Um, he was 21 for 33, 236 yards, 19 rushes, career high, 152 yards. You love to see it. First uh, player of the Super Bowl era with uh, 200 passing yards and 150 rushing yards in a game, which is incredible. And I think, granted, we have to couch all of this by saying the Cincinnati Bengals are a terrible football team, but, uh, I, this is what you, I think you wanted to see out of Lamar Jackson and kind of, you know, the best of his abilities kind of realized in a game. I thought he managed the game really well. Um, we'll get into it. I'm sure they're kind of what should have ultimately been the back breaking drive was fantastic. Didn't quite get the full back break, just maybe a sprain there. But uh, I, I was, I was thoroughly impressed with Lamar Jackson yesterday and especially without uh Hollywood Brown being there. Um, that's it was a big, uh, you know, piece missing. And they just came in with a great game plan and uh, utilized, you know, uh, Lamar's strength.
2: Yeah. The game plan is something that you, you talk about. The, We spent the entire offseason hearing, well, this is going to be, we're going to zig when everybody else is zagging. It's going to be prehistoric football. We're going to run the ball in more ways than you've never seen before and all this stuff. And this is one of the first times they actually did it. Um, We kind of thought that was a ruse going in because, you know, they came out against Miami slinging it around. And we're like, oh, maybe they were just trying to throw everybody off the scent. That's not true. Uh, The the running game was absolutely incredible. (laughs) Lamar, let me just say this because Jace is going to bring you all the stats today. But being in that stadium and watching him play and the the atmosphere around it and the excitement level. And we'll get into the attendance in a minute, because that's if you talk about podcasts of two halves, that's on the other half for me. But the people who are there in the stadium, he's he's electric. There is no other way to put it. You watch the guy breaking out of the pocket or on these design runs and the way he moves so effortlessly and he kind of. Almost looks like he's running slow if you look at his actual movements, but he's moving incredibly fast down the field. It's breathtaking. And, um, you know, right from the jump, he was, he was incredible. Um, and, and like you said, Jace, the game plan, too, I think it boils down to one thing here. Time of possession, Cincinnati Bengals, 20 minutes and 18 seconds. The Baltimore Ravens, 39 minutes and 42 seconds on offense almost doubling what the Bengals did. And um, when your defense is as bad as ours, yeah, you kind of need to do that. We talked about that in the preview, that this
3: was the the week for the Ravens to get back on track, to yep. dominate the time of possession, uh, sort of strangle the the Bengals' pos- offensive possessions and take control. Of the strangle game. the Bengals, I like that. Yes, that's uh, probably something I can't say publicly, but I, I like it on <laughs> the Uh 43 carries from the Ravens. Uh, we obviously, you, know, you, t- you touched on the Lamar Jackson runs. The second play that the Ravens had on offense was a 36-yard run from him, yep. and that just sort of set the tone for for the offense running the ball. Uh, however, they had those first two drives that were long, sustained touchdown drives, yep. and then that it basically dried out for the rest of the game. So yeah. I do want to go over this a little bit outside of the good and the bad and ugly segment that we normally do, but a lot of the times you see teams script the first 15 or 20 plays that they have for the game. I mean, you can't script out the whole game, obviously, because variables change and things change. But they had so much success in those first two drives where I think they probably had a lot of that scripted. They were doing a lot of their more like sophisticated plays, too, on those first two drives. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Moore being used as a decoy so many different ways <laughs> without actually touching the ball himself. Uh, but then after that... You just saw them sort of shooting themselves in the foot a lot. They couldn't really get a lot of traction. And they only scored nine points in the second, third, and fourth quarters combined. So a little bit of concern there. I just wanted to throw that out. Um, but the end of the, at the end of the day, they had the time of possession. They yeah. absolutely swallowed the fourth quarter. I think they possessed the ball like eight, nine minutes of the, out of the first ten minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it
2: was part of that long, long drive that Jace was talking about before. And before we move on too much... Um, just want to give some credit to the the other running backs too. Um, it was pretty evenly distributed: uh, fifty two yards for Mark Ingram, thirty one yards for Justice Hill, thirty four for Gus Bus. And Justice Hill, I like seeing getting more of a role outside of uh, special teams. <laughs> Another negative we'll get to in a minute. Um, but but a stat here I pulled from Pro Football Focus on Mark Ingram, and I think part of the reason why you know, they honored Anquan Bolden at the game and Anquan Bolden was always known as like one of those tough guys that they immediately sign and everybody in the national media, not just in the local media goes, that's a Ravens player. I get that. And, and some of that's cliche, I know, but like guys like that, Steve Smith, uh, one of my all time favorites, Vontae Leach, as, as people who listen to Ravens wrap up would know, Mark Ingram is in that group. Listen to the stat from pro football focus. He averaged four yards of carry, uh, To get his 52 yards. 3.7 of that 4 yards per carry average. Came after contact. He was getting hit. You know the offensive line I thought did a pretty good job. But there were still times where. I remember I think it was the second touchdown. He's hit at the line of scrimmage. Or even slightly behind it. And he powers his way through. To get that extra yard, yard and a half, 2 yards. For the touchdown. From where we were sitting. And that was on the opposite end of the field. It didn't look like he scored. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, he just keeps pumping his legs and he was he was found uh, found pay dirt. So I thought a guy like that as a kind of a bell cow back is incredible to have, especially in these games like you talk about, Antonio, where you kind of have to reset and get back to what makes you successful.
4: I completely agree. And Ingram scored seven TDs this year, so he's getting it done when they get down near the goal line. He's mostly the guy kind of getting it done. And yeah, you told us that stat uh, pre-show, Tim. And that's incredible. And I completely agree. That's especially in the NFL where it's so hard to get yards and you're just trying to grind out these games. Yep, it's, it's useful. Useful. another
3: positive thing that we're going to probably be talking about every week. Uh, but that's Marlon Humphrey. Ah, yeah, he's can, good Can we talk about uh, I guess we can combine this as a, a little bit of good And a little bit of bad Maybe a dash of ugly Sure The Ravens secondary But how good Marlon Humphrey is How much he took out Boyd from the Bengals' offensive attack yeah. But the negative side of that And where Andy Dalton decided to throw the ball instead
2: Yeah, hand up uh, I came on this podcast last week And said Maurice Kennedy Had a really good performance against Pittsburgh He
3: did, and he did
2: Yeah, <laughs> You can't predict the future, Tim I feel partly to blame for this because that man was atrocious <laughs> on Sunday. Auden Tate. Alden Tate. Five catches, 91 yards, and seemed like he was wide open every single time. A guy Justin Bethel, too, I believe, on one of those Tate receptions where he just fell on the ground Instead of attacking it at the high point, he, like, was sitting there. He didn't even fall over. He was just sitting there waiting for the ball, waiting for the receiver to jump up, make the catch. It was, like, a third 20 to jump up, make the catch, and then tackle him after that rather than attacking the ball. It makes absolutely no sense. Kennedy was – I mean, you guys could tell me if, if I'm wrong based on what I was watching there compared to what was on the TV. But it seems like he didn't – he led the team with nine tackles, but that's because he didn't cover anybody. Yeah, and you that, never wanted DB to lead the team in tackles. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I just, it accentuates how good Marlon Humphrey was. I mean, there was another play late in the game where he punched, it was like on a deep route. I can't remember exactly who it was, apologies. But he punches the ball out at the very last second in just like a remarkable reaction play um, to prevent the Bengals from keeping a drive alive. Obviously the interception, credit to Josh Bynes, who I thought was another guy who has stepped up pretty well um, for a guy who barely, or didn't even play you know at at all in the preseason and early part of the season um but yeah marlon humphrey is great but he's legitimately the only part of the defense i like watching at the moment
4: yeah avoid three catches for 10 yards can't do much better than that yeah that's it <laughs> but yeah everyone else they're still concerns uh i think to say the least
3: Josh Bynes coming in. He has he has settled in very quickly. He's yep. made a lot of a lot. He's made a few big plays, which is more than most of the defenders on that team. It counts as a lot on this Ravens defense. And and with that happening, <laughs> Kenny Young, on you haven't seen him, heard from him in the past few weeks. Uh, Patrick Owasso, I think he played some special teams downs and a couple of downs at the linebacker spot. I looked at the snap. Okay, I didn't snap even think sheet, about him. And but and yeah, he, had, he was
4: like not out there on
3: defense. He had very few plays and. I mean, it's a bit shocking that you can just bring linebackers in, uh, you know, and they're they're starting the next day. And the guys that you thought were these young potential stars on your defense are are no longer even getting any plays, much less starting. Um, But some other good stuff. Justin Tucker. Who wants to take the Justin Tucker uh, angle here? I'll
2: just say real quickly, uh, the the good, obviously, if you didn't hear on the broadcast, the fastest player in NFL history to 1,000 points. Uh, Vinatieri is currently first Still kicking in the league obviously 2,633 points Matt Stover Who I would say Can't be a random Raven because everybody would instantly Know who it was unless you worded your Clues very well (laughs) he's sixth all Time with 2,004 Points Tucker is only 29 like if if Everything goes to plan he's going to be Kicking in the league for at least 10 More years if not more
4: yeah, Adam Vinatieri. We should note is forty six years old.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. Tucker's gonna break that record. I'm like, especially if he stays on the Ravens for his whole career. And as a buddy, a buddy of mine, Garrett, who I was watching the game with, said when that stat came up. He started laughing because he's like, "That's a great stat, but it's also more of an indictment on the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> and how reliant we are on a fo- on a field goal kicker and those th- sweet, sweet three points all the time." How many of those were red zone? Oh there, yeah, there, there was those. a
4: stat there at one point. I forget exactly the number, but I think it, I don't know if it was last year or in 2017, but it was like from like 20 from the time he came in the league to like 2017, maybe 2018. Tucker was the only kicker in the league who had more points than. Uh, his offense did.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, clearly an indictment on the Ravens uh, on the Ravens offense over the years, obviously. But uh, but an incredible record to see from a guy who, as I'll say every week when he comes up in big moments, in today's NFL, where once they move the extra point back, it seems like some guys just lost their mind and can't make kicks anymore. We are so incredibly lucky to have a guy like that on our roster.
3: Yeah. Well, one of those kicks it, we we do need to note. Uh, I guess when things are going good for you, things are going good. Bounced one right off the upright Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, cleared the crossbar by about by about two feet. Yep.
4: Slightly concerned there for sure because I believe that was the field goal too that made it twenty to ten. And so you were like, "Oh no!" And then of course it went through. And I'm big fan of how he reacted. He just played it off like, "Yeah, of course I meant to do this." Love the guy. He's the best.
3: One more thing, I want to go over. while we have you in studio tim uh, at the game yeah do you want to give us a little,
2: uh, few minutes on the experience there yeah tailgating's the best <laughs> that, that, that's it whoever whoever came up with the idea to go before a sporting event and grill a bunch of food and have a bunch of dips and chips and beers i mean <laughs> like Round of take applause. take a bow son take a bow had an incredible time out yesterday. Another thing that I want to add to that as well, I'm not going to go wax poetic about all the natty lights I drank because that would be unprofessional. It was a lot. Um, enough. Yeah, it was enough for sure. The other coolest thing about a live sporting event, and honestly in today's world I would argue that most of the time I'd rather just watch on my couch and, you know, with a couple friends around, flyovers are oh. so Cool. That is America in a nutshell, right there. We're, we were up at the uh, top section, right behind one of the end zones, and it came over top of us. And you just get the, and you you feel it, you feel it in your bones as it flies by. And at that point, I mean, if you weren't ready for the Ravens to whoop up on the Bengals, I don't, you don't have a soul. That was a shockingly good sound effect. Thank also. you. <laughs> that was exactly it's what like, it what it sounds like.
4: It's like he works in radio or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, right?
2: Yeah. So I mean, just. It, it's something that you know if we can get this man back on the east coast i think we should do a pod like a raven day out because now that the team is elect like electric and exciting again and we've talked about that the stale air has kind of gone away i mean there's nothing better yeah. than sit, sitting on your sitting on your car drinking a couple beers and then walking into the game and watching it, the game
4: it, it, it translates that electricity i think you were saying tim to tv too cuz especially when this offense is out there and we talked about, you know, not to get, I guess, sort of delve into some bad again. Uh, the time of possession has been great. They're number one in the NFL with it. And they all commented on this efficiency and finishing drives, especially that final. And Marshall Yanda, I believe it was Jeff Zurebeck's piece, talked about this. Uh, putting the nail in the coffin on that final drive. They went... Um, 9:46, 18 plays, 83 yards, but had to settle for a field goal. That kept it a two-touchdown game. Uh, obviously, they score. Doesn't seem like a big difference, but four points makes it a 17-point game. That's game over, even if the Bengals score a touchdown, which we'll get into in the ugly. They did. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the offense... I- You know, that first game, I think, skewed a lot of their scoring numbers. They haven't, I think, hit 30 points since the Miami game. So they definitely need to turn the yards into points, but they are getting the yards. Uh, 497 yesterday, like you said, just 77 plays to 55. I think if this team finds just more efficiency sort of on, you know, the opponent's half of the field, Uh, The Ravens could win, I think, some more games or maybe steal some games against some of these good teams they have coming up.
3: Do you guys think there's any specific things we can point to to why they're unable to finish a lot of these drives? There's so many. I mean, the only thing I can think of, and this is sort of, I feel like an old school excuse, but as you drive further and further down the field, the defense gets more and more pinched by their own, the end zone getting closer and closer, and so these running plays don't have as much space to be stretched out into and so as you get to the other team's forty, the other team's thirty, and then into the red zone, suddenly the secondary is a lot closer
2: to your running backs and to your quarterback runs yeah. than they were. But I mean you say that, but yeah, or is you, it just mistakes? Well you, well you say it's stupid, but that makes a lot of sense, and that's a very simple thing that people don't talk about. You can't you can't run the same plays on on your own twenty that you're running on their twenty a lot of the time, just because of the space that you have um, to to utilize, especially, you know, with passing plays and stuff like that. You can't take the defense isn't worried about deep shots down the field. I was going to have an even dumber excuse. I was just going to say they wear purple and black, and they've never <laughs> been able to do it. And so I'm not. It's the culture, and I'm just not used to them ever, ever being able to finish drives. The other thing too uh, that you point to as as a joke, but seriously, is is the frickin' mistakes, the absolutely asinine holding penalties, or I mean, this is on the other end, but like roughing the passers. Anything like that. The Bengals were shooting themselves in the foot yesterday. But I made a note here. That game was only close because the Ravens let it be close. The Ravens almost, I don't think they almost lost that game. I don't think we're at that level yet. But if if the unthinkable was to happen and if they were to lose that game, that was all on them and it was not on the Bengals outperforming them whatsoever. And this is going to lead to our next bad point. Tight ends, stop trying to jump over people for a half a yard. Stop it. We get it. Mark Andrews, I know you're athletic. I know you look like Gronk. My dumb brain thinks you are Gronk, Gronk, because you wear number eighty nine. It's fine. Gronk wore eighty seven, didn't he? He did. My stupid brain, really (laughs) stupid brain. I just think that I, I think that he wants to be that guy because Gronk came in and kind of revolutionized the NFL. These guys are catching balls, and then it comes out in the media, and they're doing the viral posts of, oh, we think it's kind of cool when they jump. You know what I think is cool? Keeping the freaking ball. (laughs) I think that's cool. Not jumping up in the air after the Marlon Humphrey interception and letting it pop five feet into the air and letting the defenders grab it. Stop doing it just for the effect, just to get the two yards. If it's absolutely necessary, fine. And not going to lie. It looks pretty cool. If they're able to to clear that guy and get the extra 5, 10 yards, that's great. But the success rate of that is 5 to 10 percent, maybe. Most of the time, the defensive back is quick enough to upend them. And then from there, you have the chance of the peanut punch.
4: And yesterday's was egregious. He was surrounded by Bengals. I mean, It was ridiculous. he He had a great gain. That was another one. Like you said, they're gaining yards on that drive. Really, the Bengals didn't stop them very much all It was day. off a of turnover. It was off a yeah, of turnover, so, if I'm not mistaken. And that led to three points, and that's why it was a seven-point game at the half, including, and we'll get into this, because I think this isn't the ugly, they gave up the, the opening kickoff return. So that's ten points. Those are the Bengals' ten first-half points. And then... The Ravens dominated the first half, absolutely dominated. And you go up into halftime and you're only up seven. And like you said, I never thought the Ravens were going to lose this game. Uh, But they should have, on paper, they should have won this game by like 17 points, 21 points. They should have covered the spread. 11 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Uh, Some bad news on Andrews uh, for you, Tim. While he said uh, that can't happen, he also said per uh, Jeff Zrebic, quote, I'm not going to stop being me.
2: Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> so Thanks, Mark.
4: He, it should be noted he caught a few more passes after that and did not attempt a hurdle. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe he's, lesson learned. Um, But he did leave the team in receptions and yards yesterday with.
2: Um, well, that's the Hollywood thing. Jason. Out, that's the thing. He's clearly the best option on this team. And like, right. This is, this is honestly kind of a minor complaint, but it's just so annoying when you're trying to do that thing when, it, like you said, it's clearly not the right situation to do it, and you pay the ultimate price and giving up the ball. Zarebeck, we keep mentioning Jeff Zarebeck from The Athletic. Go follow him. Pay the $2 for The Athletic, whatever it is. It's very cheap. <laughs> he's a great reporter. Shouts out, Jeff. would love yeah, to give him on the show He's sometime.
4: the definitive Ravens reporter, I will all say,
2: probably. I'd say he's up there for sure. But, but he had this piece about... And Harbaugh came out in his presser and said it today. Yeah, we're 4-2. and two, But this team has some incredibly worrying signs. And we talk about the defense. The special teams thing, by the way, you have Justin Tucker. Kick it through the freaking uprights and take it at the 25 every time. What are we doing? Trying the whole sky kick and because Mike Tomlin's team isn't well coached and they get tackled inside the 10. It'll be the same thing with every other team. It just doesn't make sense. But with... The, the biggest problem for me, outside of all of that stuff, is the stupid mistakes. You cannot, and we'll get into it later in the show, we preview the Seattle game, you cannot be making those kind of debilitating, stupid, and easily avoidable mistakes against a team as good as someone yeah. like the Seahawks.
4: Yeah, because the Bengals showed yesterday, even the worst teams of the NFL, if you beat yourselves, they'll be in the game. Yep. They're all professionals, and yeah, it's the margins for winning... Is so small in the NFL, and that's why I think you look at a team like New England. What do the Patriots never do? They never beat themselves, and yep. they've been the best team in the NFL for two decades because, largely, because of that.
3: I'm, I'm looking up the trying to look up the penalties right now for the team as a whole. Ravens. If I'm looking at this right. Ten penalties, eighty-one yards. Four of those from our best, our favorite offensive linemen who has really been struggling. Bradley Bozeman had four, four four penalties. He has been struggling. Getting beat and also committing penalties is not a good combination. Um, yeah. Anything else uh, that we want to wrap up from this game before we move on to the AFC North?
2: Yeah, just one thing. It was confirmed um, in Harbaugh's press conference uh, on Monday that Deshaun Elliott's out for the year. Um, another, another safety, the guy who legitimately was replacing... Uh, Tony Jefferson who got hurt last week He's gone for the year And again, let's reference him one more time He's going to start paying royalties on this Jeff Zarebek said (laughs) Quote, the Elliott injury affects so many things One, he's the second safety to go down With a season-ending injury in as many weeks The Ravens are really light there Two, and this is interesting His presence allowed Chuck Clark Who was kind of the other guy that was filling in Who was kind of a hybrid role Between both Elliott and Clark Clark would go and play nickel linebacker and be a, a, a better option in that linebacking spot. Allow and then Elliott would be behind him as a safety. That ain't happening anymore. Yeah. We're gonna get and it looks like you know that's gonna be something where not only does it affect the secondary, it affects the linebackers, and you're gonna have guys like Owasso or Kenny Young having to fill in, fill in who have not shown us that they are good enough, and mm-hmm. it, it's incredibly concerning. And it's just it's really. For lack of a better term, it really sucks when you have one unit of a team that you thought was supposed to be the strong point and sw- supposed to be this guiding, shining light. And frankly, they haven't lived up to it, but they've also been incredibly hampered by injuries. So yeah. just, you know, speedy Inj- recovery for Deshaun Elliott. Let's hope. Inj-
4: injuries are starting to take the toll on the back end, and I guess <coughs> this is just my final kind of negative from the game. Um, injuries taking their toll on the back end, and I think you saw that, and they're still not getting a pass rush. They didn't sack. Bengals have possibly the worst offensive line in the league. They didn't get a sack until the final series in which they then committed three of their eight, or three of their penalties. Yep. Um, all I believe of the one was roughing the passer, two of the pass interference variety to basically extend the drive, uh, the Bengals final drive. And I think that's just why I think I left the game with a, maybe a more sour taste than I should is. We're so used to the Ravens of years past, you know, that they're up 13 one stop games over. Defense couldn't do it yesterday Um, and they had to recover an onside kick. And again, it was never really in doubt that they would win the game, but you still don't want it to come down to recovering an onside kick in a game you so thoroughly. And I think in years past um, fans were used to the Ravens just getting that stop because I was stunned by how, after that lengthy Ravens field goal drive, how emptied out the stadium was. And I I was just surprised because I was like, this defense is bad. They need the fans yeah. <laughs> to, to bring the heat on this final drive. And, and the defense just didn't get a stop. And it's not the... the Overall, I shall say this was the best game the defense has probably played outside of the Miami game, which that shouldn't even count at this point. Bengals only had 250 total yards and only 33 yards on the ground. And we talked about maybe in the pre-show Joe Mixon being a concern. He absolutely was not. But still, you would like to see a stop when you, your team needs a stop to win and they didn't get it.
2: Yeah, quickly, just because I was there, it was really sad to see so many people leaving, and that place is not the sellout streak that it used to be. I mean, we went there, and there's there's empty seats all it, over the place. And
4: and I think that's an NFL problem as a whole. Like you yeah. said, it is a lot easier and cheaper, honestly, in many respects, to watch a game on your couch than it uh, it is to go to the stadium. Um but yeah, but yeah for for what was that is a little that's sad to hear for what was once you know one of probably top five home fields in the league,
2: so yeah, exactly and and just with that, you know and we'll wrap it here. <laughs> bad secondary with a bad pass rush combined with no crowd or with a minimal crowd support on the back end for a bad defense, spells trouble, especially when some of these better teams come to town with.
3: All of this being said, with all of these very fair critiques, this team has a lot of work to do. This team is also in first place in the AFC North with a two-game lead (laughs) over both the Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. I think a lot of people thought the AFC North was going to be one of the best uh, divisions in the NFL this season, and it's arguably one of the the worst. I don't
2: even know if it's arguable. (laughs) I think it's the worst division in football.
4: It's going to be a one division team in terms of playoffs, and I it's at the, and we'll get into it because the Ravens have a doozy of the next uh, two opponents. Um, it honestly might be a year where eight and eight or nine and seven would say AFC North. Like it is not shaping up good. So, like you said, that's great news for the Ravens, and um, I want to get into a deeper conversation actually about the big picture of the AFC North. But let's get, I guess, into the uh, the games this week and what we just. Uh, Saul. <laughs> so we had the uh,
3: Pittsburgh Steelers winning a fairly ugly game uh, in uh, in Los Angeles. I was about to say in San Diego, but that's that hasn't yeah. been a thing for wait. Three, that three wasn't years. in Heinz
2: Field. <laughs> 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 West West Coast. Oh, yeah. Steelers. I don't know How? if you've ever heard this before, Tim, but uh, Steelers fans travel. Uh, they are well traveled. Yes, I understand. So the, they uh, won twenty four seven. Mobile homes go. You know they're easy to travel in. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna
3: move right past that one. <laughs> Duck Hodges uh leading the Pittsburgh Steelers to a victory. Of course, I'm terrified now by Duck Hodges for the rest of the season. Steelers, I hate it. I hate Steelers it. Steelers two and four. Uh the Cleveland Browns just letting us feel good, letting us feel alive again. They lost, they're now two and four. Uh they lost <laughs> at home to the Seattle Seahawks, 32 to 28. And of course, the Cincinnati Bengals losing to the Ravens. So we can get into this division a little bit and, and how we think it's going to shape up. Cincinnati out of it at 0 and 6 now. I'm terrified of Pittsburgh at 2 and 4. I probably shouldn't be, but uh, they now seem alive. Cleveland seems alive at 2 and 4. Only because of the Ravens' schedule in the next six weeks. A lot of tough games on there. But do you guys want to talk about some of those AFC North matchups first? Or yeah, sure.
2: I mean, it's just, it's just really tough, obviously. You know, you look at the Ravens' schedule and some teams that we thought might be cake, like the 49ers and the Bills, are actually legit teams. And so that makes it even tougher. Um, granted, was at the stadium, so I was only able to catch highlights of, of the Cleveland game. And they kept updating it. And boy, oh, boy. The PA announcer for the Ravens was very (laughs) excited to update you on Cleveland. Absolutely crumbling. Lamar Jackson has thrown 11 touchdowns this season. Baker Mayfield's thrown 11 interceptions. Leads the league in picks. And then has the audacity to go into the post-game press conference and blame the referees. What an idiot. What an idiot. You cost your team that win, sack up, be a leader, and take responsibility for once in your life. On the other side of that, Russell Wilson is very good, and he is scary, and uh, I think he <laughs> we'll get, is gonna. He might throw for four or five hundred yards against we'll our get defense into next him week. In a
4: moment, I have some <laughs> concerns
2: for but, that game. But yeah, um. Jace, I do want to ask you, being our West Coast correspondent, I unfortunately fell asleep for the second half of the game, but I did watch the Steelers <laughs> rip open the Chargers in the first half. The <laughs> Hodges family show. What do we make of the second half? And uh, to say you were you are you're pretty mad on Twitter last night about some of the uh, the well, Chargers' play, I should say. It's it's just deeply strange. The
4: Chargers. You look at them on paper, and now they have had some injuries. Russell kuhn has been out for the season uh, with a very scary. I believe he had like a blood clot situation or something. Um, but uh, he's been out, and obviously they've been without Derwin James, so they've been missing some key pieces. But this team. Based on their roster, should have had Super Bowl aspirations, and instead the Chargers are two and four. Like you said, they have absolutely no home field advantage because they play sixteen road games a year. Uh, Dignity Health Sports Park was rocking with terrible towels last night. Uh, the twenty what seven thousand seat Thunderdome and Carson, The home of California. the LA <laughs>
2: Galaxy. The home of the LA Galaxy <laughs> and MLS. Yes.
4: Um. So and we could go. This could be an off-week, off-season. It's, I feel like, deeply embarrassing for the NFL and not something that's going to get better when they're playing in front of, you know, 60,000 opposing fans in their new stadium in Inglewood here in a year. But the Steelers didn't do much of anything last night. Even really Duck Hodges. Great name. I know we all love Duck. Champion Duck caller. That's part of why he's nicknamed Duck.
2: I mean, I love that. I don't love that he wears the black and gold. Yeah, and, like, that's I would, a concern. That's I'd upsetting. much rather him be down with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. That would be much better. <laughs> um, so
4: I saw this stat. He was he was 15 for 20, which is good, but he did not complete a pass uh, beyond 10 air yards. So everything was short. James Conner was their leading receiver. They didn't do much on offense. They were basically gifted 14 points by the Chargers, one in a Devin Bush fumble return, and then I believe it was also him who had an interception that they nearly took to the goal line <laughs> and were able to punch in in back-to-back series. Um, so that was that was 14 points right away. Like you said, kind of blew the game open. And it's frustrating to say, I don't want to quite say the steel curtain's back, but the Steelers' defense is very good again, I think. It certainly seems better than they've been in years. Uh, Devin Bush, their first-round pick they traded up for, is who credits- awesome.
2: Credit to you. You said on our first episode, if you want to go back and listen, that he was going to be very good. So credit to you.
4: Um, he's, he's been great. He might have the inside track um, to defensive rookie of the year at the moment. Their offense. I think I th- duck great name. I'm not as concerned about him. I guess long-term I think Mason Rudolph wins his job back easily, whatever he's healthy enough to, Um But a bad loss by the Chargers for sure, and a good win for the Steelers. Oh, we should just say how this game ended, though, because it was in the deep hours on the East Coast. So the Steelers punted uh, up seven and were able to down the ball around like the one or two yard line of the Chargers. And, you know, Chargers kind of need a miracle. There's uh, 63 seconds to go. They need a touchdown, have to go 98 yards. What does Phil Rivers do? drops back and uncorks one 50 yards up like the right side of the field nearly picked by I I don't know if it was Mike Hilton I, I I'm not sure the defensive back nearly picked so what's he do the very next play drops back <laughs> fires left sideline <laughs> 40 yards up the field and it gets picked it was insane I was like I could not understand what he was doing with the amount of time he had left. It was baffling. It was it was a quintessential Phil Rivers game in every respect. It ended I think it was Patrick Daugherty of uh um, NBC Sports uh, tweeted something along the lines of This is every single Chargers loss And I can't disagree So, you know, correct the Steelers for getting a win But I think uh, the Chargers were a lot more to blame For what we saw yesterday
2: Every single Chargers (laughs) loss Phil Rivers, uncorking (laughs) one
3: East Coast (laughs) Studio here is trying to uh, compose themselves After that, Jace Could have been a what's bothering Jace But it's more like uh, Jace letting us know what happened
4: And then after he threw that pick He like (laughs) got in a scuffle with, like, Mike Hilton. It was oh, an amazing gosh. tour de force by Phil. So, <laughs> what, what
3: concerns me about the Steelers, uh, they still have games against the Dolphins. They have a game against the Cardinals. Yeah. They have a game against the Bengals. Uh, a game against the Jets. And then two against the Browns. Oh, boy. All of those all of those could, be, could and should be wins. The Browns may be a little tougher. They may split those. But this is a team that could still sneak out... Like a 9-7 and seven record And this
2: is going to be a problem for the Ravens Late in the season, even in the next month and a half Yeah, and quickly on that, I think too It's it's interesting you bring that up because And I have to actually double confirm this But we talk about the gauntlet for the Baltimore Ravens And it is really tough But their final four games Week 17 against Pittsburgh Which could be a decider um, They have if, <laughs> Week 17, battle of the 8-7s and sevens Yeah, for who exactly, goes to the why
4: not I um, would they do flex to NBC <laughs>
2: yeah so after they their final four excuse me sorry about that uh they're away to the bills who have a tendency of falling off, but who knows that defense is legit then it's home to the Jets away to the Browns home to the Steelers this division is gonna get very muddy you know we're we're two games up and people can talk about that. I got a feeling we're gonna be five hundred after <laughs> the next couple weeks uh, with the Seahawks <laughs> and the Patriots not inspiring a lot of confidence we'll get to the game preview in a second, but I think. And like you said, with some of the easier opponents both these teams have, I don't trust Cleveland to figure it out. But I think this is going to come down to the very end. And the best thing you can say is that if we can kind of maintain our level, like hold water, essentially, we're going to have a chance to win that division at home against Pittsburgh.
4: Well, and and, and
2: that's that's my
4: big picture for this team in the Ravens. Uh. They're in a really weird place And we talked about this off-air a little last week Because in many respects we, and We've we talked all season, this is a really young team In many respects, the Ravens are still a rebuilding team <laughs> That happened to have the inside track To a second consecutive division title um, They're certainly flawed um, They're still not great Yet they still might make the playoffs It's a very strange situation to be in In a lot of ways You don't see that too much from a team that's like trying to kind of revamp on the fly yet also you know competing for the top place in the division so like you said it's going to be a dogfight the rest of this season um it'll be interesting to see and i think we'll learn a lot about lamar jackson i think we'll learn a lot uh about the coaching staff um it'll be fascinating for sure cleveland
3: uh also with their last Two losses in the past two weeks. They have a bye, and then they will face the Patriots. So they're staring two and five uh, in the face. So it may, it's going to be tough. I, I don't think the Browns are going to be able to claw out of that two and five. I mean, that's really really tough to I think, do. But. I
2: think when you're led by Freddie Kitchens and Baker, who I know Baker's good, but like I'm really I'm really fed up with his act at this point. I wouldn't. If I was a Cleveland fan, not that they really have any confidence in this team anyway, based on you know just the years and years of sadness and sorrow, I don't think that they're feeling very confident about where they sit right now.
3: Let's move on to the NFL as a whole now. There's a couple of different topics we want to go over, but I think that the big one for me is some of these teams who looked so good through the first month of the season losing multiple games in a row. The Rams, who Jace and I could not speak uh, highly enough Uh, In our preview episode, started the year 3-0, now 3-3 after a just ugly performance against uh, San Francisco 49ers at home. 49ers 5-0, I guess, uh, but just a really weak performance from them. The Chiefs, losers of two in a row now with Patrick Mahomes, who hasn't quite looked like himself the past few weeks with, with various sort of lingering issues. And then the Cowboys, who this is sort of different because people didn't really think they were going to be an outstanding team but started 3-0 against some weaker teams, they are also now 3 and 3 after 3 consecutive losses. Who do we think are
2: contenders out of these three who are pretenders? I mean, the interesting one is the the Cowboys lost to the Jets. It's not like we're getting they're getting found out by good teams. That's a very that's an indictment. I think the Niners are legit good. I think when your defense is that good and Kyle Shanahan, man, he knows how to run an offense and he knows how to have a running game. That's like the the Ravens you envy almost. Like put Kyle Shanahan, give me Kyle Uschek back. Like give me Joey Bosa. Is it Joey no, it's Nick Bosa, excuse me. I can never I can never get those correct. It's Nick Bosa on San Francisco. And that like legit defensive line they have, they have a very good offensive line, a great running scheme, which we do too. So I'm not necessarily faulting that. That's the type of team I love to watch and I think they're legit good. And all Jimmy's got to do is manage games. He doesn't have to win anything for him. The way they're running and running and rolling right now, Jace. Let me ask you this: as somebody who you know, I always make the joke that you're closer to the Rams because, legitimately, you're just physically, physically. closer to the Rams than we are. <laughs> Has I, I've, I've listened to a lot of stuff today, kind of recapping the weekend. Has McVeigh been found out? Is that is that the narrative now? Because I mean, about eleven of his assistants are head coaches now. So if he's found <laughs> out, I think half the NFL is screwed.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think they're in the most trouble for sure of all the teams cuz you look Niners are 5 and 0, Seattle's 5 and 1, and now the Rams are in third place. I I don't think McVay's gotten found out. I think Jared Goff might have been, which uh-huh. is uh an issue for them since they just dropped 110 million guaranteed on him, uh which is an NFL record. Um but Gurley wasn't in there and that's been a problem for them His whatever's been going on with him be it his uh alleged that no one will acknowledge but everyone seems to assume is a lingering knee issue possible arthritis in the knee um without him their offense just has not quite been the same since like late last year um And when you don't, I think, have that dominant run game, golf suffers. I mean, he had 78 yards yesterday. That's that's brutal. You can't win a game in the NFL like that. Um, So I think the Rams of those teams are in the most trouble to your question, Antonio. I think the Chiefs are probably still the most contendery of the group. Um, I, you know for all the what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes, he still had like 273 yards and three touchdowns yesterday. Um, I think their bigger concerns, their defense. um, But I think, you know, their division's not exactly a murderous row of teams at the moment. So I still think the Chiefs are going to be okay. Um, Really concerned about the Rams, though, I think. And the NFC is just good in general, so I don't know that they're going to get, you know, even a wild card opportunity. As for the Cowboys, I don't think they're were, were ever really a, uh maybe a <sighs> Super Bowl contender, sure. but yeah. they're still obviously very much alive in that division. They played the Eagles this week and they're both three and three and in first in the NFC East. So uh I the Cowboys certainly aren't dead, but I think their concerns have kind of been exposed the last few weeks after they, you know, beat some not great teams. Another
3: game that I do want to discuss, unless you guys have any final points about uh
2: Oh whoa, 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 these wait a minute! We're, we who did the Chiefs lose to? I was gonna say Come that. On. I was gonna say Come that on. from the
3: gambling section. Okay, fine. <laughs> I tried to tell all the listeners out there, uh, and I'm not gonna say that I took any shtick for it because I didn't, because it was really just us sort of going around in a circle. Nobody you know, gave me too much criticism for it, but the Houston Texans. Traveling to Kansas City, I, I tried to tell you that I saw Mahomes' ankle against the Colts. I saw it. Uh, I spoke to I spoke to Patrick a few times during the week, uh, and he he really told me he was concerned about the swelling and that it was going to impact his mobility and that their defense was still terrible. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, he's I, really <laughs> concerned about that defense. He should be because they think <laughs> that's yeah that's going to be you can't really tape up the bad defense as well as you can tape up a sprained ankle, but. I tried to tell all the good listeners that Houston getting, I believe it was five and a half points uh, going to Kansas City, I tried to tell the people that that was an opportunity. Uh, I don't know who listened and who didn't listen, to be honest, but I hope you did just mortgage the house, frankly, uh, (laughs) because Houston went in there after dropping 50 points against Atlanta, matching up against another very, very favorable defense. Another shootout was in the cards, and they ended up not only covering, but winning by seven. So that's all I have to say about that, Tim. Congratulations. uh, I'm right when I'm right, and I'm wrong when I'm wrong. wanted to give you your shine, that's all. Next up in the NFL, the Tank Bowl, as I decided to call it. The Miami Dolphins against the Washington Redskins into who could mask that they were trying to lose this game. And by the slimmest of margins, the Miami Dolphins deciding to go for two in a game that they had... Managed to make 17-16 to 16 at home in the final seconds, I believe, of the game. Final minutes, final seconds. Decided to not go for the tie at home, which is generally the, the move that you make. They decided to go for the win and had one of the worst diagrammed <laughs> and executed two-point conversion plays I have ever seen uh, where they tried to throw a screen with two receivers in front as blockers. There were four defenders there and two blockers, so that would have happened. <laughs> Didn't matter because the ball was dropped anyway, so go Miami and hang it on to that number one
2: overall. I play. was going to say, I spoke to Brian, Brian okay. Flores, oh, okay. the coach, yeah, right. and he said, mercifully, mercifully, I should say, he did not want anybody else to watch a second more of that game. <laughs> <laughs> so it was go for two, we either win it, and that's kind of cool, I guess, or lose it, and we're getting Tua. So I the story do, on the tank ball.
4: I do think it was the right move, but, yeah, that that play was – Absolutely whack. And uh, a brief uh, reawakening of Fitzmagic. Uh, He hit him with the like the Roddy Piper. Oh, yeah. After he scored, which was great. Uh, I don't know if you saw that gif going around. Um, But yeah, did not get the win. And uh, Bill Callahan back interim Washington Redskins coach back in the win column. And as an NFL coach for the first time in uh, 16 years, I believe. So (laughs) good for Bill.
3: (laughs) Last thing about the NFL that we want to go over briefly here is uh, is a little thing about Anquan Bolden. Yeah,
2: he's the best. He uh, came out and he did the whole, they have the shield now too. Another thing I didn't mention, they have like a, a legit shield. They put they made a big deal about putting the shield back at midfield and uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't even realize that it had ever left.
4: Yeah, I'm not I sure just, what it was before, honestly.
2: Well, it was the shield for a long time. It was yeah. the big, big shield and then they just made it the bird head, like the okay. helmet logo. Which, yeah, yeah, I I didn't didn't know that either. (laughs) And now the shield is back. Haloti came out the first home game, and they have, like, a legit shield that he wears like Captain America. Anquan came out with it. Mark Ingram came out with it today. There's pictures all over Instagram and Twitter if you want to see those. At Ravens uh, on both of those feeds, I believe. Uh, But, yeah, just a little thing for Anquan Bolden. Um, He... I think was the first real successful kind of veteran receiver guy we signed, Steve Smith after him being the being the other one of the two successful veteran Raven receivers that we signed. Um, but How dare you not speak of Derek Mason in this case. Oh, gosh, I am so sorry. You are <laughs> legitimately right. Apologies. Yeah, Derek Mason as well. But Anquan, one of those guys that I said before, always just kind of epitomized what, what it meant to be kind of a Raven and this kind of— Grinding out, making the tough catches in traffic, doing everything he could to make Joe look good. Sometimes the playoff run, the eleven touchdowns for Joe Flacco, a lot of that comes down to Anquan Bolden. I saw somebody on Twitter today, and we'll find you that pod like a raven and repost it. Of just a congratulations to Anquan who announced his retirement at the stadium, like on the oh, pregame cool. speech. He like dropped it out there. We didn't even really notice. I'm like, oh, that's news i didn't understand that that was like news that he's retiring retiring as a raven too for a guy who was so successful in arizona i thought that was pretty cool um but the gif of anquan going up over mccourty in foxborough catching it over him catching it over him and then looking and just pointing down at him like yeah get off me get off me please um just one of those guys i mean also like The type of receiver you love because he can make every catch and he can make it in traffic basically plays like a tight end to the point where my dad thought he was a tight end and probably still (laughs) thinks he's a tight end. Um, So, yeah, just another guy that one of one of my favorite Ravens of all time and a guy that's really cool to see honored and somebody who wants to keep his legacy in Baltimore, which I think is nice.
4: Yeah, he was a monster when he was here, and he was only with the Ravens for three years, but it was arguably the three most. Which is most criminal, which is yeah. criminal,
2: by the way. They should have never cut him when they did, but that's a whole different story.
4: Yeah, it, the probably indisputably three most successful seasons in Ravens history, he was here. They went 12-4, and 12-4, and, and then won the Super Bowl the next season. So hard to argue with those results. Um, my uh, friend of the show, Jeff Clark, uh, he had asked me, he thinks Anquan Bolden's a Hall of Famer, I don't think I'm quite there, but his numbers are astounding. He's ninth all time in grabs. He's tied for 24th in TDs with Reggie Wayne, and he's 14th in yards um so he had a fantastic career obviously three years with the ravens um out of his 14 years but that he you know connect like just what you said to him that he connected with the city he was such a crucial part of that super bowl run he had i looked it up four touchdowns during the run had a touchdown in the super bowl the two against new england and the title game um he i just loved it there were so many games i just remember where like Anquan would take over. He had a game against uh, the Cardinals. Anquan, so, so strong, strong, Bolden. <laughs> he, he had that one game against the Cardinals, his first game against the Cardinals, where he just ate Patrick Peterson's lunch. He had like 230 yards and like two or three touchdowns. It was it was fun to watch him. And uh, uh, it, it's cool that he uh, is retiring a, a Raven officially. I know he hasn't played in a year or two, but congrats on a great career for Anquan Bolden.
3: At this point in the show... We like to turn to Jace Evans. Uh, we know Jace. Uh, we've known him for many years, I should say, and he's <laughs> fairly legendary for going on some rants from time to time. I think we had a rant uh, before we started recording the show, so maybe we should have just pressed record <laughs> without telling him and let him let him just go. But we give him a few minutes every episode for a little segment we like to call What's Bothering Jace? So, Jace, what do you,
4: what do you have for us this week? Uh, Antonio, I was stricken by the plague that is the NFL Sunday Ticket app this week. Corporate!
3: Corporate what's bothering, Jace. Yeah,
4: we're seizing the means of production on this show. Um, For those who don't know, NFL Sunday Ticket um, is a service you subscribe to via DirecTV and the NFL where you can stream, or if you have a satellite, watch every out-of-market NFL game. I wanted to do everything above board this year, so I subscribed to this service. I assume that comes at a hefty fee. It's not cheap. Uh, uh, over $300, I believe, was my, the final price. Um, and, you know, you know, you only need it once a week, just on Sundays. Because if the game's not on Sunday, it's, uh, you know, going to be on national TV. So <laughs> uh, so just needs to work once a week. And nothing but Red Zone worked yesterday on Sunday Ticket. You could watch about... I got to watch the... Uh, Ray, uh, Ravens give up the opening kickoff And start the early stages of their drive And then it just cut out So lucky me I did not watch consecutively The actual good parts of Sunday's game um, I had to just kind of check in With Red Zone periodically Until I found To quote um, a legendary Friend of this show uh, Swayze Maine a quote unquote Irregular stream of the game <laughs> And had to watch I didn't want to do this. I pay hundreds of dollars to get HD quality (laughs) to watch these NFL games every week. And I had to go. I will leave the site name out because I may have to use it again one day. uh, Find a good old friend and stream this game. And it was just very frustrating. It made me question why I paid so much for something that didn't work. I don't need it literally any other day of the week. Won't need it next week, even because the Ravens are the West Coast game. Won't need it two weeks from now because they're on uh, mo- or Sunday Night Football. Needed it yesterday. It didn't come through, and I know Sunday Ticket has had issues for years, but it has finally became a problem for me, and it was very frustrating. I said some things on Twitter. I am not going to delete.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can I just jump in on the what's bothering Jace? Because. <laughs> I don't think you're really capturing how infuriated this man was in this moment. Are we going to do a dramatic read? (laughs) This is a dramatic reading of Jace Evans' tweets, like an old segment we used to do called Ed Reed Tweets back in the day on Ravens Wrap-Up. At Jace T. Evans on Twitter. This is at 118, so about 20 minutes into the game. Technology owns. You pay $400 to watch your favorite NFL team once a week, and then you just can't because the streaming service doesn't work. The good news is things won't get cheaper or more accessible, which is another marker in my working theory that nothing ever gets better. It continues. (laughs) This is a thread. Thank you for stealing my money at DirecTV. Tagged him right in the tweet. Going to go back to just illegally streaming NFL games next season. You thieves, you thieves. We'll wrap it up here. Imagine needing to have your stuff work only once a week and you can't do it. Pathetic. Phone drop. Jace pissed. And I think that's this uh, week's was it, What's Bothering was it around Jace. Around that
4: point, I found uh, my uh, HD irregular stream. And uh, yeah, so then I watched the rest of the game. And uh, as we said earlier in the show, not a lot happened, really. So that was it was good all the way around. <laughs> so that's What's Bothering Me this week, Antonio. A
3: few things will turn... A guy in his twenties into a guy into his forties than an issue with like your cable provider and, and how you want <laughs> or to, live how stri- you want to watch sports. <laughs> yeah, live
2: streaming a sporting event. Yep, for sure. Oh well, that was a good one.
3: Well, I hope they I hope they have it figured out for when you have to watch them via that again, which is seemingly in three or four weeks from now. So they have a whole <laughs> month to get it resolved. for you. To. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so next segment, now that we do every week, is random Ravens where one of us picks. A random raven uh, And gives a few clues To the other two co-hosts Without saying the name of the player The co-hosts and the listeners Are welcome to try to guess who the player is And we will answer it at the end of the show It's my turn for the random raven And I fell into a bit of a pattern uh, With my first two ravens Where I picked guys who really had careers elsewhere And then played one, one or two seasons with the ravens uh, Time to break that Time to break away from that That's one clue so here's a. <laughs> so with all that, I went all the way from a player who played one to two seasons with the Ravens to one who played three or four. So my random Raven this week, and I'm not going to give two just to let you guys know ahead of time. I'm not going to give too too much information because it's not the most random of Ravens. But I'm going to see if you guys can figure out who this is from these sort of thin clues that I that I do offer. He's couching to-
2: this whole thing, and yeah. I'm definitely not going to know who yeah. it
3: is. So. This player was drafted in the seventh round by the Tennessee Titans, not the Baltimore Ravens, not homegrown talent. He played for the Ravens from 2009 to 2012. So by my count, that's four, mm-hmm. four whole seasons, if I'm doing that right. He started 16 games for the defense, not going to tell you what position, but for the defense in both 2011 and 2012. In 2012, which was the year that the Baltimore Ravens won the coveted Super Bowl, he tied for the team lead in interceptions with four. <laughs> Jay has some whispers from Jace. I think I figured it out. <laughs> so I'll offer one more clue that I th- I think is gonna help, but I may make it more specific. He is a alum of Washburn. And after playing for the Ravens, he went on to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. So that is my random no. Raven for the week. Jace may have it, Tim, t- furiously <laughs> writing writing down notes. Tim, I, this like, is a guy you're going to know. I, I know, know because alligator. I,
2: I can see exactly who it is, and that's infuriating.
4: I think I know. I could be wrong. So I'm trying to
3: look up right now to see who he tied the interceptions lead with. I was with. just going to assume it was, it was Noah. It was Noah <laughs> none other than Ed Reed. I'm pretty sure he played like half the season that year, and he also had four interceptions. So that is my random Raven. Uh, we will come back to that at the end of the episode. Uh, and if you would like, I can read the clues again. Yeah, I might need
4: Potentially but we'll cross that bridge
3: Later (laughs) so let's move forward now To the game coming up Oh boy (laughs) this Sunday It's one of the one of the doozies the Ravens Traveling west To play the Seattle Seahawks The five and one Seattle Seahawks A lot of concerns in this game, I think A lot of matchup problems that begin with Russell Wilson And end with Russell Wilson (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So what are some things I don't want to say what are some things that we like and don't like Because it's going to be tough to to pick those apart But what are your thoughts Let's start with Jace What are your thoughts on on this matchup for the Ravens?
4: Yeah, I am tremendously concerned by Russell Wilson Um, I think he probably wins the league MVP If the season ended today The way Patrick Mahomes' last few weeks have gone Uh, Seahawks are five and one he's completing 72.5 percent 14 TDs hasn't thrown a pick yet and I don't think that's going to change against our secondary um he can run it Chris Carson for his part's fifth in the league in yards so Seahawks can run the ball pretty well I am tremendously concerned about the Seattle offense versus the Ravens defense this week especially on the road
2: yeah I have I have Nothing to add to that On that side of the ball We're screwed Um, If he If if they play Even to Half of what they can play In terms of their level In terms of what Russell Wilson's been doing DK Metcalf Who I honestly thought Was going to be a bust And just a combine beast He's been pretty good He's been pretty good Tyler Lockett's been good I know that because He is on my girlfriend's Fantasy team And I don't have a fantasy team So I just basically Play fantasy for her And he's been doing Pretty good this season um, assistant GM, yeah, assistant yeah. to the GM. yeah, exactly <laughs> I did I did play a mean Dwight for Halloween last year. You can look look up those pictures. Um, I think the the thing that I'm looking forward to is how Lamar handles the Seattle crowd and how they handle on that side of the ball. Oh yeah Antonio's already worried. he's already stressed out about it. I think the guy's got enough composure to do it. I don't necessarily know if he has the offensive line to help him out. Uh, Our friend Bradley Bozeman will probably get a couple more false starts. Over under 1.5
3: false starts for Bradley Bozeman alone. Over. And I'm not hesitating. He'll
4: probably be lined up across from Javion Clowney, so that doesn't Oh, well. (laughs) Good.
2: There's another guy that we need to get Yeah, so maybe I'm not excited about this game at all. Um, I I like that it's a 4 o'clock game. To take you behind the curtain, I'm a Liverpool fan. They play Sunday at 11.30. There's no bleed-in between those two games. I can take a little respite. In between, and then wait, and to the inevitable doom that is the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're incredibly strong. We talk about our division being really bad, even with the Rams' struggles. I think their division is incredibly good and only getting better with teams like Arizona, who are kind of figuring stuff out too. Kyler Murray looks great, but like the legit two teams are right now: the Niners and the Seahawks. Um, like you said, Jace, fourteen touchdowns, no interceptions yet, a 100- hundred. 100-plus quarterback rating in every single game this season, and they're at home. They're not traveling east. That would be the one thing. If they're traveling to the bank, I think that would make things different, but they still have one of the best home crowds in the world, or in football, I should say. I'm very excited to see, as I circle back to this point, because it's the only redeemable thing I can find (laughs) about this game. How does Lamar handle the pressure? Does he go in there and perform well and show that he has – the moxie, for lack of a better term To go into these hostile environments And come out with good performances But
4: I, Sorry uh, w- The one thing for the Seahawks They are 5-1 and one, But they have barely won A lot of these games uh, they, I may have just stole Antonio's point here uh, They are only plus 19 in point differential But are 5-1 and one. So they're squeaking out close games So if the Ravens are able to kind of you know keep their time of possession formula they're first in the nfl in that category with over 36 (laughs) minutes of uh top a game if they're able to keep the ball away from russell wilson um they might have a chance like you said though tim that it'll be interesting to see how lamar responds because this probably is going to be the most keyed up um home crowd he's faced Maybe in his whole career to this point, because, you know, Steelers at a 1 p.m. game with, you know, Ben Roethlisberger out, maybe not quite the, the same atmosphere as Heinz at night or what it once was. Um, but Seattle fans are going to bring it and it's going to be it's going to be a challenge.
3: Yeah, we, we talked about at the start of this episode that we want to see the Ravens close drives, finish drives and, and get touchdowns instead of field goals. This is the game where I could see being the Justin Tucker game of the season. I know he's already had some some moments already this season, but with all of these Seahawks wins being close games they they beat the Bengals 21 to 20. they they beat the the Mason Rudolph Steelers 28 to 26 beat the Rams 30 to 29 in a game that they should have lost really <laughs> but the Rams missed the game winning field goal at the end and this Browns game of, of last last week 32 to 28. The the thing for this game, if they can, Jace, as you mentioned, if they can dominate the time of possession, and Justin Tucker starts making deep field goals on every possession, <laughs> and you start seeing this score, four or five field goals, and he, you know, you get the ball to the thirty-five yard line. Oh, and you get points that drive basically, and you can do that a few times. I think that's how they're going to keep it close. Uh, if it's a game that's two or three points, you hope Tucker can can tie it or, or take the take the lead late. That's going to be my prediction if this is a win. It's it's the Justin Tucker game. Uh, but I it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm not going to pick them and when we get to the actual the gambling section. I'm very concerned about this game. Yeah. The Ravens have not done well against good
2: teams at all this season. Yeah. and That's what this is going to be. I was going to say, here's the theme. Antonio is the most optimistic out of all of us. That's going to be, <laughs> if you're a loyal listener to this program, for years and years to come as we pump out these episodes for you, coming out every Tuesday, on your favorite podcast feed, Antonio will always bring the optimism where Jason and I like to live in misery. I have so many hot
3: takes for Patriots
2: week, you guys
3: don't even prepared. I have, I have no idea. I have no I idea. Have, what I am waiting for the Patriots to be undefeated when they play us, because oh, I have boy. so many things to say about that
4: game. <laughs> um, yeah, so Seattle has lost at home. Uh, Saints got a few defensive scores. They also put up... Uh, the Seahawks did over 500 yards on that very good Saints defense, and the Ravens defense is not very good. So I am definitely majorly concerned about this week. And yeah, uh, I, I mainly to just echo Tim's earlier point, interested in Lamar because he's going to have his hands full.
3: One last thing I want to I want to touch on here. I'm looking at the receivers for the Seattle Seahawks. Does Marlon Humphrey cover either the Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf all game, or is this a thing where he takes a half of the field? Because they're both good, but they're not. neither of them are sort of the, the dominant superstar. Lockett is the number one on that team, I guess, but is, is one of those guys a better matchup for
2: him, or are they just going to play halves? Well, it's interesting to see because uh, Smith-Schuster, and Humphrey talked about this in the post game after the Steelers game, he said, I don't like to line up in the slot a lot, but because That's where he was I played in the slot And kind of shadowed him Does he do that same thing With Lockett Who I Admittedly don't watch All the Seahawks games But seems like he's Kind of that same type of guy too I don't know Um, I think I think maybe he starts off On the side he's most comfortable And you just go with the Let's just shut down This part of the field But Let's see if they make Adjustments to that And then if the Ravens Can counter adjust Which they've They've shown They can definitely do that I'm not laughing Because it's wrong (laughs) <laughs> um, let's see if maybe, you know, if Lockett starts tearing up the middle of the field Or the left side or whatever side of Humphrey's not on That maybe they'll switch from there But I think to start, they'll probably just have him on one side Will
3: Disley, the tight end, 23 receptions for 262 yards and four touchdowns He'll have a touchdown Yeah, oh, for sure well, he'll, he'll, I he'll don't think five. he will
4: actually Because he actually got hurt yesterday He hurt his Achilles oh. So that that is... Tight end is, like, one position they might not have to cover as much of. Um, Now, I didn't see a long-term prognosis on Disley, but uh, they said at the time it was an Achilles injury, and I can't imagine you're playing the next week if you, like, injure that. So, um, yeah. One less issue. One less issue, and I'm
3: I'm already feeling better about about this matchup. Just kidding. Let's get to the line. (laughs) Seahawks, three-and-a-half point favorites against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I'll go first year just with the Ravens pick, as optimistic as I am, and I do tend to be uh, optimistic with this Ravens team. I think the NFL is hard. I think when you can win in the NFL, you've done something that a lot of teams aren't able to do consistently. But this is a game the Ravens will not win, and this is a game that the Ravens will not cover. Uh, I'm taking Seattle by 3.5 to
2: cover Probably closer to a touchdown. Don't need to don't need to echo the same points. Same thing. Uh, Seattle minus three and a half, unfortunately.
4: Yeah, it seems like a lock. It, it, it's a tough place to play if the Ravens, you know, were firing at all cylinders and they lost their the one of the years. The Ravens did go 12 four. they lost in Seattle. Um, so I don't think this Ravens team is going to go into Seattle and get the win. So, yeah, Seattle minus three point five for me, too. I have one
3: other game that I like and then I'll toss to the two of you. Uh it's just the Tennessee Titans are favored, and that's a team I'm going to bet against. Uh, they have looked atrocious the last few weeks. Uh, we finally saw Mariota benched for Ryan Tannehill, which is, I don't know, just sort of substituting one for 1A. Uh, he also didn't throw a touchdown and did throw an interception. So they're playing the Los Angeles Chargers. I guess that's relevant information, but it'd be tough for me uh, outside of like the Dolphins or the Redskins to be Thinking that Tennessee is going to win, that should be favored in any game. So, LA Chargers at Tennessee, one point dogs love the Chargers.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that too, and I'll just echo because we just bashed Phil Rivers and Jace <laughs> so rightly to kind of excoriate excoriated them a little bit. I'm going with the Chargers as well, primarily because they're away from home. <laughs> yeah. you know they're not going to have this pressure of having to deal with um, this. this raining of boos and cheering for the other team in your own home park there will be fewer
3: fans rooting against them at tennessee
2: than there were at home against the steelers absolutely and for that reason i just think the chargers are a better team than tennessee give me them and i will take two just real quickly i've been i've been looking through a couple things and i was really confident about one but now i'm going to switch over to the other um the oakland raiders have been better than advertised they've beaten some really good teams but Aaron Rodgers is really figuring it out. I believe, and Jace, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, they played tonight. The Packers played tonight. Yeah. Uh, as we're recording this, I should say, on Monday. Um, so we haven't seen them yet against Detroit, so this might change my opinion. But, you know, let's go with it anyway. Green Bay minus 6.5 at Oakland. I think they're just a better a touchdown better at, at home. Oh, I'm sorry. At home. I misread that. Even better. Yeah, give me Green Bay at Lambeau uh, minus 6.5 over the Raiders. So...
4: We talked at length a little bit earlier about the Houston Texans, one point underdogs at the Indianapolis Colts. I believe in Deshaun Watson. I think he has not been sacked the past two weeks. They seem to have at least marginally figured out their offensive line a little bit. Um, Colts are a little banged up, uh, banged up on the defensive side of the ball. Are coming off a bye, and you know there, I guess, is a chance for a, a Texans letdown. But they're the team trailing the Texans. The Colts are. In the afc south this is a critical game for both teams i think the texans are going to come to play and i think we're seeing deshaun watson develop into you know one of the best qbs in the nfl maybe one of the next you know cornerstone star guys of the league and so i'm i'm rolling with deshaun watson and the texans and then the other one i'ma do it miami dolphins plus 17 at the buffalo bills you're taking Miami which, which of these two teams You're taking, taking Miami I'm taking Miami Plus 17 Wow oh Jace doesn't I, circle the wagons I guess.
2: Yeah Jace you know No one circles the wagons Like the Buffalo Bills <laughs> Come Look, on man Tim
4: here's the thing Bills are winning this game But <laughs> We can't Josh Allen can't be favored In an NFL game By 17 points He just can't uh, He's not good enough When we last saw him He put up a big 14 And a 14 to 7 win Against the Titans Dolphins obviously are bad. Are the Bills good enough to win by 17? I think their defense is awesome, but I think the final score of this game might be 17 to (laughs) three. So (laughs) I you better hope
3: because I think it could easily be 17 to nothing. I'm so disappointed in you. I'm
4: taking the Dolphins. (laughs) They got to cover one of these weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And who knows? Maybe they roll back with Fitz magic and he unleashes some revenge against his former team. Who's to say? So I'm going with the Dolphins as my final pick. I don't feel great about it. No, I do feel great about it. Josh Allen's not covering this game. Uh, and that's my that's the final pick. Last
3: thing I want to bring over before I answer the random Raven. Seahawks being three and a half point favorites. is is this the game where we get burned because the Ravens lose by three points?
2: <laughs> possibly Could be. I mean you said it's the Tucker game I just don't think it's going to be that close.
4: We, we actually have what we correctly predicted spread of Ravens games like three or four weeks in a row now oh yeah um, all
3: nailed I did want to mention that we all nailed the Bengals game last week and it was the most obvious thing where that uh what was it a, th- a 13 point lead yeah. got trimmed to six that, that was so clearly going to help the Bengals cover that back. but anyway Let's close up now. I'm going to go through a few of the clues to the Random Raven. Tim is like he's taking the SAT <laughs> I'm over here. Like lay,
2: I'm trying to write down the starters on defense in 2012, <laughs> and mapping I can't out figure that. it out. And you're drawing it in the formation. I yeah. how they would be lined up on the field. This is it. These were like my math textbooks back in the day. This is just how it all looked. So the
3: Random Raven this week, drafted in the seventh round by the Tennessee Titans, which doesn't really help at all. I don't no. know who would have pictured this, this Raven in a Titans uniform, but played for the Ravens from 2009 to 2012. He started all 16 games for the defense in 2011 and 2012. He tied for the team lead in interceptions with 4 in the Super Bowl season alongside Ed Reed. And he is he went to Washburn. I don't is it Washburn College? I don't actually know the full name of it, but he went to I don't Washburn. Think so. Uh, and after playing for the Ravens, he went to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to oh. offer one more thing. No, and I figured I, think it Jace, out. I had the wrong guy. Uh, Jace is the wrong I was going to say the number of the player uh, uh, as no, no, the no, final no, call, do that. I think don't that, don't that may give it away. No,
2: don't do that. That'll give it away. Here's my thought process. I went through a couple guys, and Jace, you don't have to comment here. At first I thought Bernard Pollard, but then I was like, <laughs> I don't. He definitely didn't go to the Eagles afterwards, Whoa. and it's not that. And <sighs> I, I just don't ever see Bernard Pollard picking the ball off, which is weird. I would, if you would have given me the clue, he infamously came out and said that football would be dead in 15 years. I would have been like Bernard Pollard, that's our guy. Then I thought Jameel McLean. but I think he was undrafted. I think he was an undrafted guy. And I, like, I know the Raven that went to Washburn. I can see it. So my final guess, and I sh- I probably should go with my gut with either of these two, and you don't have to reveal till we get to Jace 2, I'm going to go Corey Ivey because I think Corey Ivey went to Philly afterwards. Although something tells me that's definitely not right, but I— whatever the guess is in. So I'm saying Corey Ivy.
4: So my initial choice was actually going to be Bernard Pollard as well. was who I had jotted down. But then when you reread the clues, I was like, I don't think he was there in 2009. It seemed, I don't remember Pollard being there that long, or like you said to leading the team in interceptions. I think it is a Corey, but I believe it is Corey Graham.
3: Cause he ended up on the Eagles at some point. Uh, these yeah. were two excellent guesses. Uh, I can't, I guess I'm a little surprised, but I didn't give too, too much information, so neither of these are the correct answer. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) And I think you guys are going to kick yourselves, but maybe I should have given a little bit more information. This random raven, starter in the Super Bowl, Carrie Williams. Oh! Carrie Williams, the, uh... The ever arguing Kerry Williams had four interceptions, and then went to the Philadelphia Eagles immediately after. Did not see that was my problem.
2: I couldn't on my on my diagram here. I didn't have any corners. I couldn't figure out who any of the corners. Carry Williams, what a bum! Uh, <laughs> Man, that guy like that guy was, was okay for two yeah, years. He was and then fine. He got, well, I thought he was classic I, Ravens where he got paid and then he was trash. with the I'm Philly.
4: surprised. I didn't think he was on the team that long. That's incredible! Wow.
3: Carry Williams, the, the what a other guy. intercessor was uh, Ed Reed with four interceptions. Carry Williams, Kerry with four, Williams. and then uh, Lardarius Webb, Paul Kruger, and Bernard Pollard each had one, Paul, and Corey Graham had two interceptions that year. So.
4: Not a lot uh, no, spread out no. on that
3: defense, and they won a Super Bowl.
4: Yeah, that team's not that good if you look at all the numbers compared to the previous years. Team before was better.
3: Champs stay champs. So that is my random Raven. Oh, that's an excellent I don't know line. how to feel about the fact
2: that I th- we had uh, stumped you guys. but I know. That was, that was I a great it, one, Antonio. <laughs> as I get older, my memory is just completely oh. going down the toilet, where you asked me that in college during the Ravens wrap-up days, I probably would have been... Right there, but... I do like that Moore, we both it
4: landed on Bernard Pollard, Tim.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's a, he's a legend. <laughs> Next week, Tim Horsey will be taking over the Random Ravens. And I'm for sure going to stump you now. <laughs> you have motivated me now to stump you. Uh, any last
3: thoughts, guys, about the Ravens, about their their matchup this week against the Seahawks? Uh, nice to see
2: him get on track, but... Go in there with with no fear. You know there's no expectations there, and let's see if we can put on... Some sort of a decent performance. Do not go in there and lay an egg, for for lack of a better term.
4: It's no matter how they did it, it was very important for the Ravens to get wins the last two weeks. Get back to two games above 500 because, yeah, Seahawks bye week, New England Patriots on deck. That's tough. Um, But two game lead in the AFC North. It's going to be fun. It'll certainly be interesting. Excited for the rest of the season.
3: Cannot wait until. I almost want to just jump past this game and get to Patriots week so I can just <laughs> bother you too so Why? much. With all these, uh, Why? I'm going to come in so hot with Tom Brady negative oh comments. God. It's going to be amazing. He, in parentheses, he looks old this season. That's all I'm going to say. All right. That's going to do it for us for this week for Pod Like a Raven. Uh, please, please follow us on Twitter at Pod Like a Raven uh email us at uh pod raven at gmail.com any questions you guys have topics you want to go over random raven suggestions maybe send those to us individually uh at our various twitter accounts if you if you want to keep it a secret so that we don't all know who this random raven is please uh, subscribe to the podcast we're on spotify we're on apple podcasts subscribe comment
2: on it uh rate it listen to it uh and let us know what you think. Real quickly, too, if you want to see any of my day at at m Bank Stadium, it's all up there as a memory at Pod Like a Raven on Instagram. It sits there right on the top of our Instagram profile page, so you can take a look at some of the um, events that were going on and how and how all the fun we were
3: having. Uh, so yeah, for J. Sevens and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week.